0: My money.
1: Money. I
0: get money from you.
1: Money in the bank. <laughs> Young money.
0: Money, 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 money. It's a rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!
2: World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is the Economic Warrior.
1: Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. And good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Barry James Dyke, uh, and I have my uh, uh, special guest, Karen Kraus cumberland Happy Valentine's Day, Karen. You
3: too. Yeah,
1: and uh, I have my... Uh, uh, sidekick Will Pierce and my handsome engineer Phil Kleiger. That's me. And, and um, we we have a great show uh, today for you. It's a pleasure to have you on. And um, um, you're an entrepreneur, and uh, uh, which is a you know a law entrepreneur, if you will. And I I find you um, uh, I I like people who create something. And um, but please, first of all, just tell us a little about your background, how you ended up in the Seacoast. You know, just tell us how you get in the law business and how you founded uh, SK Lawyers.
3: Uh, thank you, Barry, for inviting me on this this morning or today. And uh, happy Valentine's to all of you. Uh, I uh, grew up in California and uh, had many attorneys in my family. And so I grew up with uh, aunts and uncles that were attorneys. My grandfather was an attorney. Uh, my father went to law school. Uh, but then went into corporate uh, business. And the um, law was always around me. Discussions over Thanksgiving dinners were always around. And very early on, I said that uh, to myself that I definitely had an interest in all of the topics they were discussing, discussing and also found that it was very interesting on how we could make a difference uh, as a profession make a difference in terms of working with people, individuals that were maybe struggling uh, with different issues, whether they were family issues, whether they were interpersonal issues, um, whether they were small business, small businesses that wanted to expand themselves. So I've always been interested in knowing, understanding uh, what's going on in the local area. Um, I ended up going uh, when my parents retired to Park City, Utah um, at an early age. Uh, My dad was an avid skier, and my mother was just telling me a story uh, the other night that back in the 2002 Winter Olympics we uh, were hosting people at our house that wanted to uh, rent their home for training purposes Uh, because they were right up near all of the events, and we all, as a family, either went to or volunteered for that Olympics, so it's kind of a fun part of life. But I went to college in Utah and law school in Utah, and when I was done with that, um, my uh, former husband uh, got a wonderful opportunity to come back east to UNH to be a professor. And so the two of us came back here, and I said, I can be an attorney anywhere, and um, promptly took the bar um, for New Hampshire and started working for the firm that I now own. So over time, it's just kind of progressed.
1: That's, that's awesome. Um, and uh, it's just... Uh, so, you know, so do you ever like... Well, your mom. Your mom lives out here now. Didn't she live out in California?
3: So my um, my family is all from Southern California now. Uh, I recently moved my mother uh, from um, the La Jolla, San Diego area uh. to um, <laughs> Sedona, where she's been living for uh, a few years, and then she comes back east to visit. Okay. But she doesn't live back. Here.
1: Okay. All right. In Sedona, which is nice. Yeah, I was I was just there like two weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, but um, oh, that's wonderful. But so, um, but you you like these? My daughter, you know, lives in Southern California, and it, the weather's wonderful, particularly. Um, you're you okay with the weather now?
3: Uh, it it was, uh, very early on. Um, as long as I was doing winter sports like skiing, and my, um, both my children were very much into hockey uh, throughout their uh, young lives through high school, and so being outside as long as there was some activity going on was great. But I still love going to the warm, which is why when we've been expanding our office, um, we now have two offices in Florida.
1: Good idea huh? now, because how many offices do you have now, Karen?
3: Uh, we have an office in Stratum, New Hampshire, in Hampton, New Hampshire, uh, and Manchester, New Hampshire, as well as Fort Myers, Florida, and Cape Coral, Florida. So five.
1: Wow. That's that's amazing. And how many folks do you have on your payroll now? Or
3: uh, I don't know the exact number. I'd have to ask <laughs> them, but I it's over 30. So we've, in the last probably... Three to five years, grown exponentially, and grown from three to five people to over thirty.
1: That's awesome because you're people like you are my heroes because you're the folks who really put people to work and get people jobs because you have admin staff and you and all this stuff and you really you're the folks you know you're a small business so you're really creating the jobs and I uh, and uh, in this environment uh, I uh, I I think it's just an awesome. uh that you're doing that um now the whole thing is is that uh we want to talk to about the importance of estate planning and so forth and um um you know then maybe we can get in a little tax but why is estate planning particularly on this in valentine's day i was talking to will about this last night i said it's, it's time to think about the lo- those you love on days like this because you know you never know we're all going to graduate someday and uh go on to the next uh, adventure, but uh, it's really important to have the the proper estate planning, and and not just for uh, death, but for disability and so forth. Why is that important, Karen?
3: So our firm, SK Lawyers, has a a lot of very talented attorneys, and uh, the attorneys, um, many of them, concentrate in the life and estate planning arena. So even though we have a broad group of attorneys, I would say that if we were concentrating in any area, it really is estate planning. Uh, What we've found over the years was not only is there a need, everyone needs to plan, because if they don't plan, then others plan for them, uh, which has become a real issue. We've become a very litigious society where you will have uh, children Uh, who are all fighting against each other over things that they feel they're entitled to or that they should be inheriting. And if the documentation, like a will or a trust, is not completely clear and unambiguous as to what is supposed to happen, what you want to happen to your own destiny, to your own assets, who you want to be in charge of things, then It creates chaos. It creates extra stress. It creates um, hard feelings between family members. So anything you can do ahead of time makes it so much easier on the family when you pass away, when you leave other people behind. Uh, So there's a whole group of documents that are used for when you pass away, and most people know about those, wills and trusts. But there's also just as importantly, uh, some people call them life planning documents, and those would be the powers of attorney for health care, powers of attorney for finance, where if you became incapacitated or you couldn't handle your own uh, well-being, whether it was for health issues or finance, that you're appointing somebody to step in your shoes and advocate for you for whatever you need um, between now and your death. They do not work after you die, but they are wonderful documents that again, keep the court system out of your family's business. Um, If you don't have these documents in place and uh, people need them, usually you're going to court for a guardianship or some other relief because you've got a crisis or a situation.
1: Yeah, it's um, and it's amazing. And I uh, kind of when I I sent out a note telling everyone you were going to be on, some people email that wanted to listen to you. Is that uh, a lot of uh, celebrities, a lot of big names um, uh, die? In, what is called intestate, and that means to die without a will. Am I correct? Correct. Correct. And yeah, so guys like Prince Rogers Nelson, the guy known as uh, uh you know, the artist Prince, um, Howard Hughes. Abraham Lincoln, who he was an attorney, I guess, um, and who was, who was some of the other people, uh, Kurt Cobain, a lot of these other people. Um, they, well, they
2: were also people who thought they were going to live forever. So why would they even bother <laughs> needing a will because they're going to outlive the the life of their money?
3: And, and that's and that's a very typical um, scenario that it's hard to get over because I have um, friends, family, clients. Uh, Other acquaintances who all have that stereotype that on your deathbed, somebody's coming into the hospital and taking down your last words of what you want to happen to all of those important things, and that is not the time to do it. We still help with emergencies, and we're going to hospitals and people's homes as a courtesy, but we much rather work with people when there isn't an emergency, where there isn't something going on. Um, And most people have this view, including famous people who don't make their own plans, that they'll get to it later, or it'll figure itself out down the road.
1: Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is that uh, some of my most successful clients—and um, hope you're not listening—but yeah, <laughs> <a guy, laughs> um, you know, I mean, you know, and they're, they're wonderful people. I mean, it's just, but uh, some of them, I've, I'm telling them for years.
2: Well, how do you breach that topic? Like, is there a day of the year where it should be like Celebrate Your Will Day kind of thing?
1: I I don't know. I don't know how do you put a good spin on it, but it's. Uh,
2: there really isn't, but is so, there is there a way for you yeah, as yeah. the planner to help them get through that, okay, this is the worst thing that you're going to want to have to talk about, but let's talk about it anyway?
3: So Valentine's Day isn't a bad day to be thinking about that because you are thinking about the ones you love and yeah. you want to try to protect them. So if, if you're thinking about it yourself, you're thinking about um, how do I want to put things in place to make my my family's life easier so that's that's a a nice way to look at us talking on a day like today but usually there's something some dynamic going on in a family where i will have um, the adult children coming forward and saying i can see signs of a little bit of loss of memory a little bit of a health issue with our parents and they're the ones because they know it's going to be on their shoulders are the ones that are prompting, let's get our parents in, let's make sure that they already have something in place, or if they don't, that something is put in place. So a lot of times they are the prompters.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you from personal experience, I mean, I've been doing advisory uh, for a long time, Karen, and I have personally been a a executor on, on three estates and, um, you know, just a co-executor, whatever. You know, the families have retained me, and uh, it's it's you know um, it's it, it even uh, how can I put it? Even when the things are done right, it it still can be time consuming and costly, and um, and uh, so it's just uh, and if you have you know substantial assa- or you have minor children, I I know which is uh, you know uh, I. I and I've had it in a number of uh, I've done the life insurance business for a number of years. I've had a number of claims, where there's been no really um, uh, provisions made for minor children and so forth. So it's you know if you if you're listening out there, it's a great day to think of people other than yourself. And uh, because you know we you know it, and it can be very very costly.
3: And and talking yeah. about minor children, anyone that has children under the age of eighteen has to make some sort of arrangements that if something untimely or tragically happened to them, who would be that next trusted person that's gonna step in and raise them? And that is a huge commitment to anybody. uh, And it's something that should be thought out. It's not, well, I'm assuming my sister who has her own three kids will be the one that, that raises them. You can't assume because When you pass away, the courts then take charge to make sure that young children are properly taken care of both um, physically, mentally, and financially. And if those things aren't in place, um, those are things that will happen uh, for you. And most people have definite opinions that I don't want my brother, but I do want my sister, or I don't want my husband's side of the family, but I don't, and I do want this. So they've thought about it. They've just not put it on paper.
0: Yeah. Oh. Karen, do the um, teenagers have any say in this if, if uh, their parents pass away or something? And
3: uh, So our court systems have wonderful um, family courts here in New Hampshire, and there are lots of custody battles, and there are lots of things that go on. And sometimes it has to do with a death of a parent. Uh, sometimes it's the grandparents versus the remaining spouse. Um, it could be lots of different areas. So we have systems that get that get put in place where we have guardian ad litems, which are attorneys for the children that step in if the children do not want to be where they are or it's not in their best interest so there's always ways to make sure things are definitely in the best interest of the the children children don't have a say there are there are certain age mile marks at teenage years where they can have input but it's not up to them
2: if a teenager has emancipated themselves from their family, can they have a say in what happens during that process, or is that way too much of a technicality that, that wouldn't that's way, in?
3: that's way too much of a technicality when you're talking a state plan, because usually you are talking about, this is something that would be in the best interest of my children if something were to happen. And a lot of that has to do with picking somebody who's responsible, somebody who will get them on the bus get them to school get them to do their homework get them home at night Um, and then there's the whole financial end of who's handling the money for raising them
1: yeah let me me ask you a question karen you probably see more because i I try to stay away from the courts as much as possible thank you very much you know so (laughs) amen you know so i've had i've had enough legal stuff for a lifetime but on is there, a lot of this stuff we we don't really see it. It's kind of like underneath the surface. A lot of there's a lot of turmoil in the family system, isn't there? I mean, on some of the stuff unresolved issues. I mean, are there more uh, the screw ups, if you will, than than we think? Because you really don't see about this. You don't read about them. You don't you hear about them. But is there is it more? Because you
3: so so our court system has a family court and a probate court, and they actually do work together on different issues. But probate usually means that somebody's passed away, and our courts are clogged with people trying to get money because they believe they're entitled to it. And so the fights that are going on in our court systems have to do with um, poor documentation, no planning, or poor planning. And so people are feeling that they're entitled to something and they want to fight for their rights. That's what our court system right now in probate um, is full of. The family courts, uh, we have so many different types of relationships these days uh, with unmarried couples, having children and the dynamics involved. And once you have a child with someone, you really are tied to them. Yep. for life whether you're married or not so uh, the different um, dynamics that are involved in whether or not the parents are together still uh, creates a lot of um, discord in our court systems fighting over anything you can think of
1: yes yeah, so let me give you an example so let's say someone uh, uh, say I was to die and I have a you know minor children I don't but I, my kids are grown now but uh, and say you know uh, an ex-wife or a relative okay uh, wanted to battle me in court about what they thought they were entitled to and I croak and uh, and they've retained a lawyer but how and, and I I get into involved in the in New Hampshire probate system or the family court how what kind of a a, a time window with this it would this resolve? it would take 12 months six months 12 months a year two years
3: so if there are children involved uh, they try to work as quickly as possible so that the children aren't in limbo where are they living who are they living with obviously if there's a parent who hasn't lost their parental rights they're going to be the ones in charge uh, so the this system works pretty efficiently. Uh, if you compare New Hampshire to some of the other states just around us, um, even though it feels like everything is a delay around here, yeah. it's a pretty um, efficient process. Most probates uh, can be uh, closed administratively after six months if you ask special permission, okay. but, but a lot of them are a year or two years.
1: Yeah, so... Which, you know, it's a long time, and it's just, it's a lot of, my point, it's Valentine's Day, so, uh, you know, think about people other than yourself, and, uh, because, you know, know, I I have one, I just had one last week, Karen, where I have a, uh, actually kind of a long-term client, and, you know, and uh, it's in Florida, and um, they died, and the family didn't notify me uh, until uh, last Friday, and he died in October. So I'm saying, uh, what's going on now? And so, um, but, so this is going to be tied up, you know, f- you know, from this retirement assets, life insurance, all this stuff. It's going to be tied up for a while, just routinely. And if there's other complications, it can be quite some time, can't it?
3: The, it, it can be. And I've found that, uh, I'll give you the same story, where the financial advisor knew and was working with the family because somebody passed away and they forgot to tell me. And I have their original wills and trusts <laughs> sitting in the in the file, but um, a lot had been um, accomplished without the need to to even notify probate. But the communication is just so vital. It's vital in be, in, in between the professionals that are working as a team uh, with with the individuals, like the accountants and the financial advisors and the attorneys. But it's also Uh, encouraging communication between family members if you are doing estate planning documents and you are putting somebody in charge I'm trying to get a chance to meet those people because they will be the next set of people that we're working with and you want them to know this is a job they're going to be taking on so it's not a surprise when mom or dad dies that you were the child they picked to handle all this. Uh, so communication between what is expected and what needs to be done when something happens is just crucial.
1: Yeah, so my, my next question is if people are doing this, and we're going to have to take a break to keep us um, legal, um, it's re- it's really important to get as many people involved as possible. It's like I've told the people who I love, if I croak, this is it. I mean, I you know, I'm, and I'm very clear about it. So, I, you know... Uh, but a lot of people, they don't, they don't tell anyone, do they? I mean, it's, so it, it's much better for the families if everyone's involved, am I correct? Or-
3: it is, because then there's no surprise. Uh, I have a, a situation where um, I worked with one individual. He passed away, and uh, his spouse did not know what documentation he did, and he put um, another family, distant family member in charge of all of his stuff, Uh, and that was a surprise to the whole family. Uh, There were um, very rational reasons for it, but it was a very uh, tough thing to sell and a tough thing to handle administratively because you already are creating this animosity between people. And when I talk about... um, there's so many different dynamics between families nowadays. Probably the biggest one that we run into is where you have children of a first marriage and a second spouse or a third spouse that um, don't work well together uh, because they still have the children still have loyalty to their own parent and um, the dynamics that that go along with. With that, um, can be very troublesome.
1: Yeah, I can believe it. Um, one of these things which I hear more and more these days, and it's really important, and um, particularly my, um, um, special needs trusts for kids with you know disabilities or special uh, learning requirements. Or um, why are those so important? Particularly, you know, we're talking about Valentine's Day, and our kids are, I think, our biggest Valentines. But tell us about special needs trusts.
3: Sure. So. Special needs trusts can be used for a lot of different scenarios that people don't always understand. So special needs trusts were originally created for somebody that had some sort of disability, whether it was mental or physical or medical, that they needed some extra help. And their parents knew that even when they became adults, they wouldn't be able to maneuver through our world as easily as other people. So those people um, were a definite category that special needs trusts were created so that money could be set aside for them even when their parents were gone to handle whatever, and this is where it's got its name, whatever special need they had that was different than um, the average adult. Uh, The special needs trusts have uh, become much more robust in how we create them. And there are a lot of special needs trusts that are now used for children uh, who are now adults who just can't handle money. Yeah. So they don't have any real disability. They don't have any... um, financial or or any other problem, it's just they're bad money managers. They make poor decisions when it comes to money. So when somebody is passing wealth or just whatever worldly goods they have on to the next generation, they can't imagine not putting some sort of condition or some sort of um, set of rules to follow. For their money. So even if it's uh, their retirement plan that's left over, which are qualified funds, Mm -hmm. or life insurance proceeds, or their bank accounts, or investment accounts, we can put conditions on them through um, a special needs trust that money can be used for their support, but they don't get a chunk of money that would um, most likely. not be used wisely
1: <clears throat> that's a great idea um because I, I hate to say it karen i've seen not just once but a number of times probably made about a dozen times people have inherited a substantial amount of dough and uh i remember one, one one woman this is back when i had my practice massachusetts where she inherited about a you know, million one million two and uh, her husband was an executive for a you know, major public company and and uh she came in with her then boyfriend and um she and she had essentially uh blown about um the better part uh 900 million in the market i mean wow. she lo- lost it speculating and you know i would like to say it was the only time i saw that um uh, but
0: 100 million or, or 90, 900 000.
1: 900 i i'm sorry but you know but i'm saying is that i've i've i've, 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 wit- I've witnessed it a, a, a number of times so uh, so it could be used for that type of thing as well? Uh,
3: absolutely. Think of it as if you have money, you can make a decision as to what you want to happen and what conditions you want to make um, your legacy last longer or um, be more impactful or important to the lo- those you leave behind.
1: Yeah. Do you have a question on that, Will?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I had a question about... Um, Executors or or, or trustees of uh, estates or so People used to use banks or maybe they still do uh, They
3: they absolutely do Mm -hmm. Uh, I -hmm. Would say if you have a family member Mm -hmm. who is astute who has um, some business acumen that understands uh, Money and is very good at running their own household that they can play that role very easily uh, for executor or trustee, and they're just terminology. An executor is in charge of a will. A trustee is in charge of a trust. They are those money managers, the people in charge of uh, handling everything. Uh, But there are still um, many people that use trust companies. They're actual trust companies, and that's all they do. There are trust departments as part of all of the local banks Mm -hmm. that step in and they can uh, be the sole trustee and handle the affairs or they can be in conjunction with, um, with individuals. So a lot of times people will put a family member in charge of their personal things and they will put a corporate trustee in charge of maybe their financial holdings
1: yeah okay yes that's, that's good now could you one of the things which most people don't understand but it's uh the benefits of having a living trust and bypassing probate you know because often we'll see where people they'll they'll have like a um they live like, say in new hampshire and they may have a, a vacation home in florida or um and i've seen it multiple times we have multiple uh assets and um the benefits of using a living trust because that way they can bypass probate, am I correct?
3: Absolutely, and what most people don't understand is a will, is a wish to the court to take charge. So a lot of people think, well, if I don't have a will, then of course I'll have to probate, but if I have a will, then I've already lined up what's gonna happen. So I wanna make it clear that a will definitely is Handled by our probate courts, it means a judge is in charge of making sure that everything that the person put in the will is taken care of. So the executor works with the judge. They are not independently in charge. They have to go to court, and probate court can be cumbersome. It can take a while, like we talked about earlier, six months to a couple years, and it's expensive because you're hiring an attorney to... Uh, work with you and um, go through the maze of the proper documentation, the proper deadlines. Uh, And we do a lot of probate at our office, but I would 100% prefer if people had trusts. So most people think of trusts as if you have lots of money and you want to pass on millions of dollars to the next generation, that they're the only person that should have a trust. And trusts really have changed so dramatically in the last 15, 20 years that they really are an everyday tool for any person. And a trust means that you are putting forth the rules that you want handled of all of your assets and all your personal things uh, without having to go to court. So there is no probate and it's instantaneous you start out as the trustee of your own your own trust and the next person the moment you know something happens to you or you pass away becomes the next trustee and they immediately take charge of everything and start following your wishes so there is no delay there is no court there are no extra costs or fees but if i
0: put my um, assets in a trust does that mean i have to pay taxes uh, as a Transfer those assets to the trust or?
3: No. So the type of trusts we're talking about are revocable trusts. And Barry used the word living, but the it's the same thing. It yeah. means that it's just an extension of you. It's using your personal Social Security number. So there are no extra taxes. It's, it's a very easy flow-through document where you're putting all your assets in now. And you can move them, take assets in and out. During your lifetime, and only after you pass away, does the the trust become irrevocable, meaning you can't change the rules. And then, whatever rules you had, it's like an old-fashioned will. It's now what's supposed to happen to the things you left behind.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: what about uh, if you're married? And it doesn't don't uh, like your house? Doesn't it automatically go to your spouse, or does that have to go through? Some form, of pro, some form of court. court.
3: So um, there are many ways that people hold title to real sure. estate. The most um, well-known way would be to um, joint to yeah. joint, uh, joint with rights of survivorship, which mm-hmm. means if you have a husband and wife, the last one standing gets it. But then when the second spouse dies, there are no arrangements, and that – that real estate would then have to go through probate if there weren't if it wasn't in a trust. So a lot of estate planning and the more sophisticated part and the much more robust part has to do with the second spouse to die. Because a lot yeah. of things you can you can create where you're joint owners of your bank accounts and your cars and things like that, but when that Second spouse dies, there aren't, there isn't that same set of easy rules to pass it on to your children.
1: Yeah, and and that's a question which I've kind of run into uh, recently. Uh, they're just they're great conveyance tools, but at some time it's almost, you know, you, should, you you shouldn't almost leave a lot of investment income in a trust. I'm I'm just kind of being a, um, uh, if at some point because. Some of the stuff is still taxed at a higher rates. Uh, am I correct? No, oh, the New Hampshire is different, isn't it? Where the income tax is higher on a trust income than it would be individually or joint tenants.
3: So, so um, one of the things that you had mentioned, we're talking about about trusts, yeah. uh, and you had given the example of people owning property yeah. in different states is one of the beauties of. Um, a trust is it can own property from anywhere so when we say property that could be real estate from anywhere but it also can be bank accounts and financial accounts. Yeah. So once it's owned by a New Hampshire trust, yeah. the New Hampshire rules kick in yeah. as to what's supposed to happen to it. So every type of asset is treated differently. Okay. For tax reasons and for and for practical reasons, some assets ha- are qualified, like retirement accounts, yeah. and they have their own set of rules that have to be followed, and some are investment accounts which again, um, what what you're saying, Barry, and we work with accountants all the time, is making sure that when a person dies, if they have a will, no will, or a revocable trust, they get a free step up in basis. And it's trying to calculate what to use for which accounts. And so it's definitely an analysis that we do, but we also always involve the financial advisors because they have the history of what those accounts are and how they might um impact on the payout end of it
1: yeah so just yeah because the taxes are you know you know it, uh are, are an issue um the uh, one of the things also too could you tell people the importance of a, a health care proxy and um uh because that's that's when you see really more of you know what happens? You know, why that's important?
3: Uh, absolutely. And um, so, healthcare proxy in New Hampshire we call a durable power of attorney for healthcare, meaning you are making a decision now that if you get to a point where you cannot advocate for your own well-being and health, yeah. you can appoint an agent. So usually that's a spouse or a child who who's who's capable of handling those type of decisions, or even a brother or a sister, that they would step in, be able to talk to doctors, understand what's going in, help advocate for whatever was chosen for kind of these life and death uh, decisions. So it's an important role, and people can appoint somebody while they're happy and healthy as to what they want to happen in the future if they got in a situation where they couldn't handle their own health care needs. Uh, The the things that a lot of people don't think about is, and we've been doing a lot of it lately, is when their children go to college. So the moment your child turns 18, they are technically an adult. Yeah. We all know that 18-year-olds <laughs> are yeah. <laughs>
1: aren't, anyway. <laughs> yeah. aren't
3: ready to handle a lot of life's adult issues. Yeah, um, And so we are preparing um, those powers of attorney for health care and powers of attorney for finance so that um, their parents can still step in and help if necessary. Because I can tell you every... A college student who ends up in the hospital for one reason or another just assumes, well, my mom and dad will be here and they'll be able to help me. Well, the moment they turned 18, they can't technically do that anymore. They can't make the decisions, they can't advocate for them. And so the powers of attorney are used truly for anybody at any age if they got into a circumstance, whether it was Uh, long term like somebody who has dementia and can no longer handle their own decisions forever or because of an accident injury or illness where it's a short term they're kind of out of commission but then they'll get better and those documents are just uh, fabulous for for working um, during that interim interim period of time.
1: Well, that, that's an awesome uh, recommendation. You know, you learn something. That's why I love you know, having experts on like yourself because I would never have thought of that, having, you know, f- for children. And, you know, heck, you know, I was 18, 19. I, you know, it's it's You were pretty confident. Oh, I was pretty confident. Oh, yeah. It was just, uh, you, you know, you're, how can I, you you feel uh, you're invincible, you know? And, um, and, and unfortunately, I've seen pe- also people, you know, uh, die in car crashes and, you know, That type of thing, at that age, because you're so crazy. Uh, So that's great. Now, how can people find out more about, if they want to contact Karen, how how can they find out more about you?
3: So uh, we have a website that's sklawyers.net. So it's S-K-L-A-W-Y-E-R-S dot net. Uh, And you can always uh, reach our office at 603 778 1984 and that will direct you to any of the offices or any of our attorneys. And there, um, I, I feel just amazingly fortunate that I've got a group of people that work for uh, the firm yeah. that have such uh, years of knowledge and understanding of their areas of practice, as well as tremendous staff. That um, pitch in for everything that's needed, so that we work as a team to handle anything that comes through the door and any situations or crises that happen in people's lives.
1: It's great, and you're you're really involved in the community too. Uh, am I correct? Uh, you you'd like, I mean, you're busy all the time. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you're involved. You involved in charities or anything like that, Karen?
3: So so. I look at it as a team approach for our firm. Uh, So we're involved in the local um, chambers of commerce so that we're uh, constantly involved with the other people, um, other people and the businesses around us. We're involved in, um, you know, different sports and uh, charitable adventures. We have one person who's very involved with Rotary um, and we try to encourage uh, each of the members of, the, uh, of our group to be involved in their community because that's where we make an impact. That's where people learn about us, and, and uh, if they have a need, they're coming to us.
1: Well, fantastic. So we've come to, uh, regretfully, we've gone, come to the end of our show, uh, but you've had Karen krauss Cumberland as our guest, uh, my sidekick, uh, Will Pearson. Thank Hans- you, Karen. Thank yeah, you, thank you and, and thank you, and, and, and handsome Phil Kleiger, my name is Barry James Dyke. want to find out more about me, check me out at the web at www.barryjamesdike.com. This has been great. And please check out uh, sklawyers.net. And um, happy Valentine's Day, everybody.
3: You too.
2: This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio, engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at BarryJamesDyke.com. Who are the warriors?